Good morning, everyone, and welcome <clears throat> to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse on the link at top for online edition, you'll see a little drop-down, and on there it has read A-C-I-M-O-E. Also at that website, there's a tab Convalescent Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the lesson for the day as well as the text reading that we share Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. My name is Lori Cameron, and today we are reading in the Manual for Teachers, question number eight. How can the perception of order of difficulties be avoided? And question number nine, are changes required in the life situation of God's teachers? We're also mindful of our lesson today. <clears throat> Beautiful lesson 346. Today the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except His love. And I knew uh, today would be the day to share uh, this beautiful poem that Helen wrote in um, her book, The Gifts of God. It's in the section that's called More Personal Poems. And uh, and I just love thinking of her in this poem. It's called Love Song. My Lord, my love, my life, I live in you. There is no life apart from what you are. I breathe your words, I rest upon your arms. My sight is hallowed by your single star. I do not always recognize your face or hear your voice. I do not always see the strangers whom you send or messengers you chose to bring your holy word to me. You are the stranger then, and I am dead to holy things that heaven's light shines through. The world I see is enemy to me when I forget my lovely love is you. Forgetting you is to forget myself. Why I have come and where it is I go. My Lord, my love, my life, let me forget all things except the loveliness you know. My Lord, my love, my life, I live in you. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Isn't it just thank you, friend? Thank you. Oh, feels like a great big lovely warm blanket, doesn't it? So beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Alrighty, I was really glad to to think of that this morning. <clears throat> so thank you. And away we go. Here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Jessica, and Karen. Joined in listening this morning by Wendy and Judy. And so far that's the sum of us. So we'll see who comes along. 
this morning as we head out in Manual for Teachers. Question number eight, how can the perception of order of difficulties be avoided? The belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests on differences, on uneven background and shifting foreground, on unequal heights and diverse sizes, on varying degrees of darkness and light, and thousands of contrasts in which each thing seen competes with every other in order to be recognized. A larger object overshadows a smaller one. A lighter thing draws the attention from another with less intensity of appeal. And a more threatening idea, or one conceived of as more desirable by the world's standards, completely upsets the mental balance. What the body's eyes behold is only conflict. Look not to them for peace and understanding. Avoid. How can the perception of order of difficulties be avoided? The belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests on differences, on uneven background and shifting foreground, on unequal heights and diverse sizes, on varying degrees of darkness and light, and thousands of contrasts in which each thing, each thing seen competes with every other in order to be recognized. A larger object overshadows a smaller one. A brighter thing draws the attention from another with less intensity of appeal. And a more threatening idea or one conceived of as more desirable by the world standard, completely upsets the mental balance. What the body's eyes behold is only conflict. Look not to, look not to them for peace and understanding. Illusions are always illusions of differences. How could it be otherwise? By, different, by definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded as of major importance but is recognized as being untrue. The mind, therefore, seeks to make it true out of its intensity of desire to have it for itself. Illusions are travesties of creation, attempts to bring truth to lie. Finding truth unacceptable, the mind revolts against truth and gives itself an illusion of victory. Finding health a burden, it retreats into feverish dreams. And in these dreams, the mind is separate, different from other minds, with different interests of its own, and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. Thank you, LeMoyne and Fran. Two, illusions are always illusions of differences. How could it be otherwise? 
By definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded as of major importance but is recognized as being untrue. The mind therefore seeks to make it true out of its intensity of desire to have it for itself. Illusions are travesties of creation, attempts to bring truth to lies. Finding truth unacceptable, the mind revolts against truth and gives itself an illusion of victory. Finding health a burden, it retreats into feverish dreams. And in these dreams, the mind is separate, different from other minds, with different interests of its own and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. Three, where do all these differences come from? Certainly they seem to be in the world outside. Yet it is surely the mind that judges what the eyes behold. It is the mind that interprets the eyes' messages and gives them, quote-unquote, meaning. And this meaning does not exist in the world outside at all. What is seen as, quote-unquote, reality is simply what the mind prefers. Its hierarchy of values is projected outward, and it sends the body's eyes to find it. The body's eyes will never see except through differences. Yet it is not the messages they bring on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluates their messages, so only the mind is responsible for seeing. It alone decides whether what is seen is real or illusory, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. Thank you, Fran. Um, and Jessica, are you able to read now? Okay, we'll come back to uh, Jess. Karen? Three. Where do all these differences come from? Certainly, they seem to be in the world outside. Yet it is surely the mind that judges what the eyes behold. It is the mind that interprets the eyes' messages and gives them, quote-unquote, meaning. And this meaning does not exist in the world outside at all. What is seen as, quote-unquote, reality is simply what the mind prefers. Its hierarchy of values is projected outward, and it sends the body's eyes to find it. The body's eyes will never see except through differences. Yet it is not the messages they bring on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluates their messages, so only the mind is responsible for seeing. It alone decides whether what is seen is real or illusory, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. Four. It is in the sorting out and categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter. And it is here correction must be made. The mind classifies what the body's eyes bring to it according to its preconceived values, judging where each sense datum fits best. What basis could be faultier than this? Unrecognized by itself, it has itself asked to be given 
what will fit into these categories. And having done so, it concludes that the categories must be true. On this, the judgment of all differences rests, because it is on this that judgments of the world depend. Can this confused and senseless quote-unquote reasoning be depended on for anything? Thank you, Karen. Um, and is there a new reader then for four and five? I can uh, do it. Paragraph four and five. Thank you, Robin Marie. I'm, I'm finally here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you are. Thank you. It is in the sorting out and categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter. And it is here correction must be made. The mind classifies what the body's eyes bring to it according to its preconceived values, judging where each sense datum fits best. What basis could be faultier than this? Unrecognized by itself, it has itself asked to be given what will fit into these categories. And having done so, it concludes that the categories must be true. On this judgment of all differences rests, because it is on this that judgments of the world depend. Can this confused and senseless, quote, reasoning, unquote, be depended on for anything? Five, there can be no order of difficulty in healing, merely because all sickness is illusion. Is it harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a larger hallucination as opposed to a smaller one? Will he agree more quickly to the unreality of a louder voice he hears than to that of a softer one? Will he dismiss more easily a whispered demand to kill than a shout? And do the number of pitchforks the devil he sees carrying affect their credibility in his perception? His mind has categorized them as real, and so they are real to him. When he realizes they are all illusions, they will disappear, and so it is with healing. The properties of illusions, which seem to make them different, are really irrelevant, for their properties are as illusory as they are. Thank you, Robin Marie. Um, is there another new reader for five and six? I can do it, Lori. Oh. oh, thanks, Judy. There can be no order of difficulty in healing, merely because all sickness is an illusion. Is it harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a larger hallucination as opposed to a smaller one? Will he agree more quickly to the unreality of a softer voice he hears than to that of a louder one? Will he dismiss more easily a whispered demand to kill 
than a shout. And does the number of pitchforks the devil, devils he sees carry affect their credibility in his perception? His mind has categorized them as real, and so they are real to him. When he realizes they are all illusions, they will disappear, and so it is with healing. The properties of illusion, which seem to make them different, are really irrelevant, for the properties are as illusory as they are. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind, which has let itself be healed, will no longer acknowledge them. There will be those who seem to be, quote, sicker, unquote, than others, and the body's eyes will report their changed appearance as before, but the mind will put them all in one category. They are unreal. This is the gift of its capital teacher, the understanding that only two categories are meaningful in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it, so too are illusions without distinctions. The one answers to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. Amen. Thank you, Judy. Um, let's see. Is there another new reader for uh, paragraph six? And then I think we'll roll right into the next question. Uh, our changes required. Um, new reader for that? I can read Gary. Lana. Good morning. Thank you, Lana. Okay, mm-hmm. six. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind, which has let itself be healed, will no longer acknowledge them. There will be those who seem to be, in quotes, sicker than others. And the body's eyes will report their changed appearance as before. But the mind will put them all in one category. They are unreal. This is the gift of its teacher, the understanding that only two categories are meaningful and sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it, 
so too are illusions without distinction. The one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. Um, our Our changes required in the life situation of God's teachers. Changes are required in the minds of God's teachers. This may or may not involve changes in the external situation. Remember that no one is where he is by accident and chance plays no part in God's plan. It is most unlikely that changes in his attitudes would not be the first step in the newly made teacher of God's training. There is, however, no set pattern since training is always highly individualized. There are those who are called upon to change their life situation, life situation almost immediately. But these are generally special cases. By far, the majority are given a slow-evolving training program in which as many previous mistakes as possible are corrected. Relationships in particular must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has a basis for return. Thank you, Lana. Um, Let's see, is there another new reader for that paragraph in Section 9 and the second paragraph in Section 9? This is Sandra. I can read. Oh, thanks, Sandra. Just have to get my glasses. Hold on. Section 9? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and okay. Section 9. Are changes required in the life situation of God's teachers? Changes are required in the minds of God's teachers. This may or may not involve changes in the external situation. Remember that no one is where he is by accident, and chance plays no part in God's plan. It is most unlikely that changes in his attitude attitudes would make would not be the first step in the newly made teacher of God's training. There is, however, no set pattern since training is always highly individualized. There are those who are called upon to change their life situation almost immediately, but these are generally special cases. By far, the majority are given a slowly evolving training program in which 
as many previous mistakes as possible are corrected. Relationships in particular must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has a basis for return. Two, as a teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson with increasing thoroughness. He does not make his own decisions. He asks his teacher for his answer, and it is this he follows in his guide for action. This becomes easier and easier as the teacher of God learns to give up his own judgment. The giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice, is usually a fairly slow process, not because it is difficult, but because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. The world's training is directly directed towards achieving a goal in direct opposition to that of our curriculum. The world trains for reliance on one's judgment as the criterion for maturity and strength. Our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as the necessary condition of salvation. Thank you, Sandra. Um, and let's see, is there another new reader for that great paragraph two in section number nine? And I'll That's check Renee. in with Jessica. Oh, Renee, go ahead. Great to hear you. Thanks. Thank you, Lori. As the teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson. With increasing thoroughness, he does not make his own decisions. He asks his teacher for his answer. And it is this he follows as his guide for action. This becomes easier and easier as the teacher of God learns to give up his own judgment. The giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice, is usually a fairly slow process. Not because it is difficult, because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. The world's training is directed towards achieving a goal in direct opposition to that of our curriculum. The world trains for reliance on one's judgment as the criterion for maturity and strength. Our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as a necessary condition of salvation. Thank you, Renee. And thank you, everybody, who read this morning uh, from these two sections that are so very practical and yet so laden with understanding. Um, let's see, what time is it? Oh, gee whiz. You know what? I think um, this is a good place to um, pick from these two sections. What are there? Six and two pairs. There's eight paragraphs. So, uh, select. Allow yourself to select a paragraph that speaks particularly to how you feel uh, about your course of mind training. That's highly individualized, and um, and relate it to something that is particularly meaningful to you in that regard. Does that make sense? I, I think. Um, 
I think everyone will find something especially meaningful in here. So let's try and do it that way for our discussion. We have about uh, 13 minutes, yeah, 13 minutes before the top of the hour, and that's a really great way to open our dialogue. I think so. Oh, open. I got one. I got one, Lori. <laughs> Wendy. Wendy. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so um, we're, Bryce and I are living in Athens. We have a small home that is uh, um, very comfortable but limited. I, I don't have enough space for, uh, w- well, Bryce's son is living with us now, so our guest room is now occupied, and everything that was Bryce's in that guest room is now in our bedroom. So there's a lot in me that would like to move and, and be expand. And Bryce and I have both had visions of living in community, but my money situation isn't as generous as it once was, and it appearing, it doesn't appear to be the same. And um, my brother, who lives in Virginia, in the rural part of Virginia, offered us a piece of property for free. He said, I, you know, I've got a few lots, this is seven acres, you could, I'll um, just give it to you. And in that moment, it felt like, okay, I've been, I've been talking to God about my abundance and realizing greater abundance and letting go of fear and all this. Here it is. Here's God's gift. But when I checked guidance and asked about moving to Virginia, I got this message that, you know, you're not going to like this, but that's not for you. And I wondered about that, and I thought, this was my conclusion. This is how I sort of interpreted it, what, what spirit was trying to indicate. My relationship with my brother is full-on love. We've forgiven each other for very little ever happened between us that needed forgiveness. And we basically adore each other. But their relationships here in Athens that still need repair. And I'm like, okay, it isn't isn't about money. (laughs) As much as I want to make it about money sometimes, uh, it is about healing every relationship that needs healing. You know, all aspects of your mind that are being expressed through friends, acquaintances, bosses, whoever, and those aspects of your mind need to find love, need to let go of whatever gap there had been to recognize that love is what we're learning about here, not money and not whatever else the world would say you need it. So there it is. There's my example. I'm complete. Thank you so That's much, good. Wendy. Yeah, you. thanks for that. I love the um, emphasis on relationships. Thank you so much. Good morning. This is Sandra and... Um, I know what my curriculum has been (laughs) because I know what the cutting edge of my learning is. Number one, don't take anything personally. Number two, you are loved. Number three, you are whole and complete and healed. (laughs) Number four, you can have what you want. 
So um, those just some of the focal points of my curriculum. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. That was great. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Hi, this is Lana. Um, Paragraph 5 really speaks to me, Um, you know, because lately uh, I've just been having all this, all these body adventures, and the last one uh, was particularly challenging because I... um, I ended up in the hospital, you know, two times and uh, for several days each time, and and um, you know, it was my re- it was diagnosis respiratory failure, and in that happening, it was like a snowball effect because then my kidneys started to fail, and my heart went into failure, so it it was difficult to see sickness as not being um, this particular adventure, not being more challenging than others. And bringing my mind back to the truth that nothing always equals nothing. You know, it's it doesn't matter about the appearance of it um, or even the experience of it. You know, it's either real or it's not real. And if it's not love, it's not real. Um, and I was not feeling much love during the period of uh, when I, they were trying to put me back together again, which they did masterfully, um, and um, I'm feeling really well now. Uh, but uh, it, it goes back, and when I looked within for guidance from Jesus, you know, it, it, it all came back to my lesson in trusting God for everything, regardless of appearances. Um, and, you know, and that seems to be my big lesson, you know, my big learning um, challenge is no matter what shows up, to trust in God, because just like it says here, there, are, there aren't any accidents, and I'm exactly where I need to be uh, for my learning. And uh, so acceptance becomes a really powerful tool, you know, it, not accepting in, the, in, in a realization that I, that I like it. It's it just accepting that it's there and I'm not going to do battle with it and um, accepting the fact that I don't like it, you know, to accept that fact um, because it has sort of a negative connotation, accepting the fact that what I'm experiencing I do not like, and to be okay with that, not to judge myself for that, um, really is that portal to where, pe- where my peace can be found. And, and, of course, once my mind returns to peace, well, that's the whole ball game, you know, because peace is such a powerful state of mind. It aligns with trusting God for everything. And then, of course, um, then it's just, you know, the playing out in time of the healing that we talked about yesterday, which occurred instantly when I asked for it. So um, I'm still learning. I'm still uh, learning to trust God for everything. 
and finding peace there when I do. I, uh, it's interesting that um, trusting God, uh, the moment that you need to trust him the most <laughs> is the moment when it seems the most challenging. But it all works out when I just, um, you know, ride the horse in the direction it's going, so to speak, you know, to follow God's guidance and to trust everything. And I don't have to understand anything. I just have to trust it. I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, I loved every bit of that, Lina. I'm so so grateful to know you're feeling well and whole again. And uh, I love your example. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. So nice to hear you. Yes, thank you, Lana. I find... Go ahead, Robin Ray. Um, in the last, let's see, nine, uh, two, um, that, that paragraph was especially meaningful to me. And it was the giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice is usually a very slow process. Not because it is difficult, but because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. And I have a very small example of what happens to me with my boss. Um, Probably once every month, I'd say, she'll tell me to do something or she'll observe something that is not happening and expect me to do what she's asking me to do. And I find that personally insulting because I am down on the ground working with 10 kids. And, for example, yesterday they were all occupied having a good time. And she said, well, you'd better take the other children into the other room. And I said, oh, and she said, because they're not playing. And I looked at her and I said, well, can you see that that?" he's playing and she's playing and they're playing over there and then she she kind of got huffy and she said oh well um i just need you to take your children into the other room and i will take the little ones over here but she was um you know really huffy with me and it was and it was difficult for me most of the time i can handle that but for some reason i was put off by her yesterday and I realized that she had neglected to tell me that the co-teacher that I work with wasn't coming to work and that's why she needed me to change but she didn't tell me the essential fact right (laughs) so I'm I'm hoping that today I can just uh, you know go along with whatever she says knowing that you know, somewhere she knows something that I don't <laughs> and that she doesn't tell me and that I won't take it as personally insulting. I, for the most part, am able to do that, but it's obvious that I cannot do that all the time. And I'm hoping that I will be able to. <laughs> Thank you. For listening. Thank you, Wendy. Mm. Yes, yeah, probably Marie. Thank you, 
Thank you so much. Thank you, Robin Marie. I love it when you share. And you went to the paragraphs that I thought I would also talk about. It's Karen. Um, But first, I just wanted to say, you know, it's so... This was actually a very powerful reading. You know, there is no hierarchy of illusions. Every time somebody starts telling me the stories with all of these things that are happening, my daughter talks about her ex-husband, hopefully soon to be ex-husband, and my response is everything is an illusion. Don't even listen. Don't go into it. Don't, you know, don't go into an evaluation of what is being said. If it's all an illusion, it's just an illusion, let go. And she's trying to, you know, oh, but this is, this is so much worse than this. And I'm not there. I'm not there. So that's all illusions. There's no hierarchy of illusions. Um, What I was looking at is, are changes required in life situations of God's teachers? And it said that changes in attitude um, are required for God's teachers and that everyone's path is highly individualized. There's no set pattern. When um, I had a spiritual awakening, a first spiritual awakening in 1984, um, I won't go into it, it's long, but, but basically Holy Spirit made me stand up in a group. I kept saying, no, I'm not going to stand up for Jesus. And everybody was like, yes, you are. And they just kept praying, and then the Holy Spirit picked me up and threw me on my feet. And a week later, um, I went to a meditation group, and everything shifted. My third eye was wide open. I could see auras. I was in this incredibly, uh, a lot, uh, I don't know. I was a healer. I could put my hands on people. I knew what to do and where to go because I heard the voice, and I just went and did what I was told for about a month, I, I could listen to the Holy Spirit without being um, having an objection by my ego. Um, the first month was like that, and then I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, and then everything went back to the way it was. And it took many, many, many years to even come close to that experience. And I don't think I'm still haven't come completely back to it, but um, it says it's a slowly In most cases, it's a slowly evolving training program in which many previous mistakes as possible are corrected. Relationships in particular must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has a basis for return. I am the poster child for that sentence. All dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system has a basis for return. I did so many years of spiritual practice with a spiritual master, and um, I, you know, surrendered my whole healing process to him, and he would take me into things from the past, you know, on occasion, to meditate uh, in meditation or introspection to purify certain experiences, but he never touched sexual abuse at all. And I decided in sort of a crazy, um, you know, ego, uh, puberty kind of thing to run away from him and go to a different teacher. And as soon as I did, 
the dark cornerstones from the past came up. Like I was living in this spiritual state of consciousness, but what was never purified instantly came up when I left his protection and his tutelage. And all of the dark drama, I mean, it started with terror and fear and feeling like I was being raped and not being able to put it in context. And it's just, um, anyway, I was just thinking that the old thought system has to be purified or it still has a basis for a return. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful, Karen. And thank you for um, reflecting on trust to process. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you, you, Karen. That was so powerful. Yeah, I guess in my old thought system, people explained why something was happening. My parents were very good at that. They would explain to me why I had my teeth or, you know, et cetera. They never just demanded that I do something. But in this new thought system, probably, you know, like you say, Karen, you know, the Holy Spirit told you you could heal and you healed. You were listening and you didn't ask the reasons why. You just, um, in faith accepted and I guess you know in a way that 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 is my lesson that I need to um, you know just stay present and realize that God is working through whoever I am working with that to my higher good and for their higher good but thank you very much Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. That's reflecting some pretty good miracle-mindedness this morning. And in that uh, light, let's take that holy pause here to the top of the hour and the recognition of how we are enveloped. Oh, Fran. We leave us again this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are still in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is what is a miracle? And today's lesson is lesson 346. Today the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. So I'll read some from what is a miracle and then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five minute meditation what is a miracle Um, the miracle is taken first on faith because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand yet faith will bring us witnesses to show that what it rested on is really there And thus the miracle will justify your faith in it and show it rested on a world more real than what you saw before. A world redeemed from what you thought you saw. Miracles fall like drops of healing rain from heaven. 
on a dry and dusty world where starved and thirsty creatures come to die. Now they have water. Now the world is green. And everywhere, the signs of life spring up to show that what is born can never die. For what has life has immortality. Now we'll go over to our lesson. Lesson 346. Today, the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. Father, I wait today with miracles correcting my perception of all things. And so begins the day I share with you, as I will share eternity, for time has stepped aside today. I do not seek the things of time, and so I will not look upon them. What I seek today transcends all laws of time and things perceived in time. I would forget all things except your love. I would abide in you and know no laws except your law of love. And I would find the peace which you created for your son, forgetting all the foolish toys I made as I behold your glory and my own. And when the evening comes today, we will remember nothing but the peace of God. But we will learn today what peace is ours when we forget all things except God's love. Lesson 346. Today the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. Five minutes.
Lesson 346. Today, the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. Amen. Oh, Fran, that was so beautiful. And I'm certain that there was a reason you selected that fourth paragraph to highlight from what is a miracle this morning. Um, and I'm very grateful that you did. Thank you. Yeah, I did. I love that he tells us that it come. It starts with faith. And faith here, women, taken first on faith, because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand. I love that faith. I'm going to be aware of my faith. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Oh, boy. So beautiful. <laughs> Reminds me of that, that lesson. You remember the one that says, a thousand times a day, you hear the question, who walks with me? Who walks with me? I walk with God in perfect holiness. Um. So I'm just really glad that uh, that is your companion as you go through these times in your family. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning, this is Sandra. And to to know that I am loved, to choose focus on that, and to know that my highest and best is always being served because today the peace of God envelops me and I forget all things except God's love. And... I can't judge the way that God loves me. <laughs> I just can't. Because I, I want to. I want to say, wait, I have a better plan. I think it should look like this. I have to have faith. These are all parts of my learning curriculum. Not judging. Have faith in something that I can't see. But I can feel it. I can feel it when I look around and I'm in such gratitude for the beauty that surrounds me that I created, but I didn't create it by myself. This was a conscious effort that I did with God. I had a wonderful mantra that no matter how bad it looked, no matter how bad it felt, that God was present and only good could come from whatever horror I was experiencing. And I just kept affirming that. And God showed me that God's plan for me was perfect happiness if I would just let go of my plan for me and accept what is. 
And each day that I let go of whatever I think is supposed to be happening here and accept what is and not judge and know that my highest and best is being served, that your highest and best is being served, I can't judge your curriculum either. Because sometimes I'd like to do that too. And just to have faith and trust in this invisible power of love that surrounds me so that I can forget everything except that love and bask in that love knowing (laughs) I'll repeat it again because I forget that my highest and best is being served at all times even when it doesn't look that way I'm complete Thank you, Sandra. Oh, that was so wonderful, Sandra. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. Sandra, you could keep repeating that a million times. I think that's the whole thing. Thank you very much. Me too. Thanks, Sandra. And ever so practical. I love that. Thank you, Sandra. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And, uh, you know, if I, if I let my mind step away from these precise paragraphs and words for just a minute, um, my sense is this. The giver of these words, the um, intelligence or consciousness from which these words flow, knows me so completely knows my mental processes, knows the way uh, I've walked my life, knows the particular signposts of each step on my journey, knows how I've taken in and been taken by and taken and given, knows the way I've listened and uh, trusted, knows the way I've failed and been corrected. The consciousness that knows me inside out so thoroughly and completely can put words to my experience in a cohesive and coherent manner and lead me to a particular mind state. What can you say about that consciousness who knows me so completely, who knows you so completely, who knows every single one of us so completely, that these words that uh, seem like steps along the way or uh, processes involved in coming to peace and maintaining peace in relationship to life, what can you say about a consciousness that knows all that? 
uh, my mind state is left in that in that state of peace where I'm enveloped and can't forget all things. <clears throat> that's that's my overall overarching uh, love for the giver of these words and and the thing that uh, says to me there's an outcome that I really want and uh, it, there's a state of mind that I so value that I'm willing to give the giver of these words my total trust and um, reminded of that beautiful poem called Captain My Captain you know um, what can you say about a consciousness that knows me inside out like that except oh Jesus lover of my soul but then it gets really really practical <laughs> don't you just love when he says uh, your mind goes sorting and categorizing large and small big and little like and not like that's what your mind does but I really particularly noticed this morning in that first paragraph uh, how in that whole description he says the words mental balance the world standards completely upsets the mental balance and and that gives me a hint right there in that first paragraph that there's a state of mind that I would like and uh, is balanced and achievable and I do to myself something that disturbs it <clears throat> I'm reminded of that quote early in the work that says when he's describing the ego and the ego's desire for intense desire for control and autonomy uh, that that uh, drives it strives for control the ego does and he says this is not the way a balanced mind holds together <laughs> that was way back I think in chapter 4 this is not the way a balanced mind holds together what can you say about the consciousness who knows that for me except um, I think it's trustworthy to pay attention and then in the second paragraph he uses a phrase that also attracts my attention that phrase in that paragraph is have it for itself the ego does all this and it's motivated to do all this because it's uh, striving to have something for itself and in its striving to have something for itself it makes the something and then it goes to look for it and declares here it is this is true and plants its flag is with this I have control have it for myself and then that third paragraph what attracts my attention is the word hierarchy of values and there he says he's telling me something important when he says only the mind evaluates the messages it receives oh you know as an ego I've been going along declaring <laughs> for my benefit and everyone else's this is true and this is true and this is true based on my hierarchy of values and with my hierarchy of values I also declared that 
you uh, have not achieved it. You have not, you have not, you have not, that's not based on my hierarchy of values. And then I wondered why my balanced mind wasn't held together. But in paragraph four, there's another thing about this consciousness that knows us so well that really attracts my attention. When he uses the phrase, unrecognized by itself, it has asked itself what sits where. I'm getting a hint here about mental balance. Right there, unrecognized by itself, it has asked itself what fits where. He's, he's giving me uh, the notion that if I can step away and just ever so little, if I'm willing to step away from what I believe to be true, if I'm willing to recognize just a little bit that I'm not exactly recognizing. I'm allowing something in me to do this recognizing and declaring. He's giving me the space. He's giving me that little space right there where I can recognize, wait now, wait now, wait now. Am I my ego? Unrecognized by itself, it has asked itself. I am not the one doing that asking, am I? Or am I? That space, that little tiny space is where the Holy Spirit comes in. <laughs> that little tiny space and that paragraph six is uh, the reward right there. Here's the gift to the Holy Spirit. Uh, right here in that little space where you recognize that you are asking something that's not you, the truth, rushes in the awareness of the Holy Spirit. Well, my dear, <laughs> let me tell you that the only thing that really has meaning is truth. And here's the gift of your teacher. Only love is real. Um, I get a sense of arrival at what this consciousness would like me to know about myself. And it just gets better from there. <laughs> um, I really, really love the consciousness that can describe my mind like this and describe the gift of my teacher. That if I give just a little bit of space, everything I thought was true can be reinterpreted for me not by me, but for me, into only two ideas, true and not true. And of these two, only one delivers my mind to mental balance, trust and love. And as for changes, <laughs> I love in that first paragraph, highly individualized and that's I knew that's what I would hear today and that's what I hoped we could all hear that um, while we have uh, here's the thing we're on the same way we're walking the same way we're going the same direction we're doing it together because we know we can't do it alone we know that at point of arrival we must all be included or it won't be arrival that much we know that much we've learned but we've also learned that on this way, uh, there are many different signposts 
And because we are so loved, and because this mind that knows us knows all the different manifestations of mistakes that can occur, and all the different manifestations of, that is to say, outcomes um, of the peace of mind that can be disturbed. He also recognizes for every one of us, this Holy Spirit, this mind we share, the knowledge saved for us that we might do our will. He knows all of that so individually. He recognizes for each and every one of us the signposts on the way. You know, oh, here's a signpost for you, Lori, because this is something in particular that you need to correct a mistake in your mind. Oh, then the miracle arrives, and here's a signpost for you, and here's a signpost for you, here's a signpost for you, because we all have um, different little splinters of uh, mistaken understanding in our consciousness. They're like slivers, you know, little tiny mistakes. Uh, buried so deeply that the inflammation around them goes unnoticed until it's painful. There's a signpost for that splinter. And as we walk away, we're given uh, different signposts so that we can recognize, oh, this is something I did not want. And experience, once again, that mental balance. That sense that uh, in my mind and heart, there's a peaceometer, and if I watch that gauge, if I keep my eyes on that peace gauge, I will recognize, by virtue of my Holy Spirit, anything that causes a lump or bump in my soul's flight. And life, oh man, don't you just love that fourth paragraph? Life instead of the travesty that my ego had made of it, trying to find words, instead of all the mistaken things, my, I'm going to say the ego, not mine, but the ego, that little distance between what's my mind and what's the false mind. I get to that place where watching that peaceometer, um, my flight is pretty peaceful. And then he gives me a lesson like today. <laughs> today, the peace of God envelops me and I forget all things. Another beautiful signpost. What can you say except I'm grateful for the consciousness that is more and more accessible as I learn all things are echoes of the voice for God. What else can I learn except how very individually as an individual soul of God I'm loved, cared for, guided, upheld, enveloped, always in that holiness. What can you say except I love that? I love Christ. I love that mind. I love my source. And purpose, um, telling my mind, unifies. When I recognize my purpose is to uh, 
called home in my mind and invite all my fellow travelers to my home. Uh, what else is needed here except trust? Distrust. I'm complete. Thank you so much. It's beautiful this morning, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, thank you. I just, um, I have to laugh. You remind me of something that has been coming to me in my morning meditations and contemplations with that one who is so intimate with me and um, the phrase, what do you take yourself for? <laughs> Which I heard in some some form in what you were sharing this morning. Um, you know, that this thing that I think I am that I think it's separate and unique and special and alone, you know, that 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 somebody that is a somebody that is a someone um, independent and alone that thinks her own thoughts and, and, you know, is the doer, thinks she's doing these things and, you know, um, how in becoming intimate with that, that holy one that's so intimate with everything, including myself, it's um, really, I, I, can't, I can't even speak of it now. Beautiful lesson today, beautiful text reading. Thank you, I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Judy. That's always the question, isn't it? What do you take yourself for? <laughs> I love that. And I love it when awareness taps me on the shoulder and says, huh, what do you take yourself for? <laughs> it's um, There's never um, any condemnation in that. There's just a, a gentle, hey, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait now. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, thanks, Jude. You, know you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, I mean, that question in the text, always, you know, ask, what is this for? What is, what is this for? And I'm like, well, what am I for? <laughs> what is all this for? What is all this thinking about, thinking, Judy thinking about Judy? You know, I mean, that's what the separate self is in the mind that projects that kind of thinking on the world, that perception. This whole section is about perception. And I love the way the lesson goes to the knowing, to the knowing, which is not perception, 
has no perception whatsoever in it. And the difference between the two, I love the way you said that, how the lesson just gave me exactly what I needed after looking at how the body-mind separates each and everything, each one and everything, and makes differences and makes them separate and apart. And it's like, ooh-wee, you know, I can see and feel this sense of something that um, I've long been, been desiring to just love the truth of who I am because that's where I feel at home. That's being at home, that beingness, that being at one with, being at peace with, and one with, being happy with, and at one with. Everything and everybody, it's like this so easy and so natural. And it's like, okay, I can relax. I'm not in charge. You're talking about that controlling that was in that um, the ego wants to control stuff and wants to control Judy and what she thinks and what she thinks she thinks. You know, it's like one thought cannot change another thought. They still exist, maybe at different times, one concept cannot change another concept. And how the whole concept of an individual self, an individual I image, Judy body image, Judy self concept, is all something made up in the mind. I mean, that judgment, um, I wish we could have gone right through into the judgment reading today because this so ex- explains how judgment is set up in the mind. But we think we're the thinkers. So we miss this. We got, I needed, I can't speak for anybody else, but I needed to step back from thinking I was the thinker, thinking I was the doer, in order to know, observe from the innocent the innocent knower of who I am in truth, the one that says, no, what are you taking yourself for? This is an image of your own making. You are something in your own imagination. And can you see this clearly now? What do you take yourself for? This is great stuff. I love the Course in Miracles. (laughs) I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. I hear you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. You know, this is Anna. One time I, I and I may have shared this before, but um, it it just kind of goes on, goes into what you're talking about. And, and I don't even remember what the situation was, but my question to Jesus was, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I think we all ask that question at one time or another. What am I going to do? And, Jesus came back and and said, you're asking the wrong question. Ask instead, what is God going to do? And I'm telling you, in that moment when I had that realization, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. It's not what I'm going to do. I'm not to do it. And I, and I also remember 
one time in, uh, oh, it's way back when. I think it was during, I took this um, train called the S training, and they asked you, um, if you are your thoughts, then who is the one listening to them? And that created such a clear picture in my mind that I wasn't my thoughts. I was the one, the observer, the one that was witness to them, um, the one that was aware of them. Um, and it, it really uh, changed my whole perspective in, in that it brought a, a new way of perceiving myself as God created me. And um, it really helped out with the judgment, too. <laughs> you know, that was kind of lifted off me. But I really appreciated what you shared, Judy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lana. That's, that's the great gift of um, arriving at the observer, the observer place that he I think is referring to in paragraph four uh, of questioning that that great gift of stepping just a little bit away. If you're the one seeing, if you're seeing this, who's doing the seeing? If you're thinking this, who's doing the thinking? That little tiny space that he talks about and says, here is where correction is made. He says it very clearly, right there in that little tiny space. If you can see it, who's seeing? That little tiny space is where correction is made. So, thank you, Lana. Yes, indeed. We know we're not the healer. We're not the one that the insane mind that Judy thinks with, the separate mind, Judy can't fix. She can't correct. And this is was something that took me a long time to understand, thinking I was the thinker and thinking I was the fixer thinking I was the healer and the the doer. And I remember one day having that realization that, you know, I'm not the doer. I'm being done. I'm not the liver. Life is living me. Life being God, being love itself. That's the, the totality of it. I was just a I was just a little feather floating around in the in the whole swirl of everything happening all together simultaneously as as one in one big public event. Thinking I was thinking and thinking I was choosing. I was a chooser making choices, a decider making decisions. It talks about that making decisions, turning all my decisions over. <laughs> it's like turning all my thinking over because it's an illusion of giving up the illusion. You know, it's so basic and fundamental, but we're really, I'm really, I was taught that way, being brought up in the world to, to think that I was the thinker, to judge what's good and bad, to make evaluations to categorize my thoughts, organize my thoughts according to a sense of hierarchy that was in good judgment, that was for the good of myself and other people. 
that was a, a, a contribution to society. <laughs> okay. Holy Spirit comes along in the Course of Miracles and said, you need not organize your thoughts. Don't, don't think. <laughs> okay, the end. <laughs> Complete. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Judy. Yeah, thank you, Judy. And of course, the love of Jesus really jumps right into it. In fact, I think the very last sentence of the first part of A Course of Love, the proper, you know, course, it, it just, he just says, think no more. <laughs> think no more. You know, and, and um, to you who think you're a thinker, you know, and then, and then it really opens up an opportunity um, and it brings everything into clarity about the whole thing about stilling the mind and coming to the present moment and being still of mind um, where you have access. I mean, you have a, you're, you're a thought in the mind of God. You are part of the mind of God, the infinite mind of God. You can ask it. I can ask it anything, and it will answer me. But as long as I believe I have a thinking mind, a, a mechanism of my own that, uh, you know, draws me into it and thinks I can think for myself. You know, it's, it, it's an illusion of a, a mental, a mentality that doesn't exist. But I don't get to recognize that until I actually take the idea out for a test drive. You know, I, I still my mind. I come to the present moment. I still my mind. I rest in God. And in that silence and stillness, I can ask God anything. And, and the way the answers come, it's like a delivery system. It's uh, my friend, my old friend Teddy used to always say, it's like a download. Uh, these thoughts I think with God are downloaded into my mind. Um, it's not a thinking process. It's the absence of thinking that allows the thoughts I think to God. I think with God to enter my mind and answer yeah. what, whatever I want to know. You know, I have access to that when I choose it. But you know, we're so married to this illusionary thinking mechanism of the ego that doesn't even exist uh, that. Um, we know we fail to recognize that we have everything we need. We have, you know, super Google at our disposal. <laughs> you know, so anyway, I'm complete. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Thank that you. was beautiful. You guys, just get the heck off autopilot. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Relax and <laughs> relax. And I mean, I, I know when I, I just started, um, coming back to sanity back in 2002 and I um, was cu coming clear out of stark raving madness, I mean screaming madness and, you know, the ego just screaming. It was so insane. And um, the whole relax, let go, God's in charge was like such a balm to my soul that was so needed, but I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know how to do that. 
that whole mind spinning squirrel on a on a wheel in my head was so cranked for so long that, you know, short of someone hitting me on the head with a sledgehammer, it wasn't going to stop. It took time for it um, to really just quiet down. And this whole idea of trusting, building faith and trust, and um, talking about the development and stages of trust, um, relinquishing, you know, sorting out, um, you know, valuing the sense of valuing and and recognizing what's valueless. You know, what recognize really what the hell doesn't matter is how important is that, and why is my mind occupied with thinking about that? You know, and mostly it was about me. <laughs> it was like if I stopped thinking about me, I wasn't thinking at all. <laughs> And that's when it really became obvious and, and laughable, you know. It's like, you know, I may not be much, but I'm all I ever think about is something my friend used to say. And now that I'm done talking about me, what do you think about me? And let's all talk about me. And as the turd swirls, you know, the, the melodrama of all their little problems and all their little scenarios and all their little ex. ex, ex experiences, good or bad. I mean, we're, we're going to get into this judgment, good or bad. But to recognize it's all mind, it's all consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's a biggie. Enough had to make things. Thanks, Judy. <laughs> and I'd like to um, just acknowledge the distinguishment that I heard a few moments ago, that we are thinking but we're thinking with the mind of God now because most of us have been around long enough to know the difference between egoic thinking and thinking with the mind of God. So, and, and, I, and I have to discern that, and it takes my mind to discern, oh, what am I aligned with right now? Am I thinking with the mind of God or am I thinking with the mind of the ego? I'm always thinking. So it's just a matter of, which mind am I thinking from and discerning which mind do I really want to think from Um, and I don't want to think from the ego mind because I've experienced it for most of my life and it's made me miserable and so thinking with the mind of God which is my higher mind which is my unity with the Creator which is my divinity but I also have humanity, and I have to learn how to live with both. And I can only do that through thinking with the mind of God, because there's no way to live with humanity if I'm only thinking along the lines of the egoic mind. I would kill myself. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. I think that's the gift of that sixth paragraph the mind which has let itself be healed. Um, and I can choose. So thank you very much. Who haven't we heard from here this morning? Several. This is Ida. Um, good morning, Ida. Uh, good morning, Lori. Um, thank you. Um, 
I really like today's lesson, and I'm going to read it again and again until I really get it today. It's early, and there's other things going on when I hear it. Um, but uh, I'm getting it. I'm gradually getting this message from the Course because I can tell. Because today, instead of hating the people who bothered me in the past, the recent past, I prayed for them. And I felt better. And I'm sure that they felt better too because all minds are joined just like it says in there. And I'm aware, I've become aware of our minds being joined because I've become aware of us having <clears throat> similar or the same thoughts about different things and people. And it gives me hope because then I realize that when I think the thoughts that are in the Course, I'm giving them to everybody even though I'm not saying them out loud. And that really helps me feel better because I feel like I need to share. And thanks, I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Boy, that's that's a great example of a test drive. And, oh, gee, it works. <laughs> so that's just great. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Ida. You're welcome. Glad to share. I'm glad you did. Thanks, Ida. Uh, this is Wendy. Um, this was the message I got this morning. It is with God's blessings we greet you and we say, orientation. It is for you to remember that we are giving you a new orientation. As you read our words, you are forming visions of how those words integrate into your world. It is for you to understand that we don't have any notions that you need to change. We just would offer increased intimacy with your higher self. Awareness of the presence is what is needed. This relationship can be moment to moment. It is your guide to all relationships. When you are in the presence, there is a sheltering umbrella, a shade in the sunlight, a breeze when it's hot, and a drink of cool water when you're thirsty. Whatever you need, words, ideas, comfort, information, it is all at your beck and call when you know you are in the presence. And you understand this, yet it must be practiced. It is your own mind that needs attend to the truth and realize it in your life. And so far this is so, but there is so much more. Increase the need for God's love. It is your saving grace in all circumstances. Let love prevail. All is well. I'm complete. Oh, all I can say is OMG. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Oh, beautiful, Wendy. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Wendy. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes don't we just, like, bring pearls for each other without even being aware of it, uh, the way the one mind does like that. I just love it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. They are nicer even than the physical pearls, as nice as they are. 
These curls are the best. <laughs> Thanks, Ada. Thank you. There's time before we end this recording. Uh, for anyone who hasn't had an opportunity, we'd love to hear from you. feel you and are always glad when you can join us. This this unity uh, feels so good to share that mind. I'm going to close the recording and uh, I'm going to close it where I love to close at daylight today. It's in chapter 16 which is the forgiveness of illusions. The only thing we ever forgive is an illusion, right? And in that chapter, he gives us the magnitude of holiness. (sighs) Your relationship with capital Him is real and has been demonstrated regard this not with fear but with rejoicing the one you called upon is with you bid him welcome and honor his witnesses who bring you the glad tidings he has come it is true just as you fear that to acknowledge him is to deny all that you think you know but it was never true what gain is there to you in clinging to it and denying the evidence for truth you have come too near to truth to renounce it now and you will yield to its compelling attraction you can delay this now but only a little while the host of God has called to you and you have heard never again will you be wholly unwilling to listen Do not interpret against God's love, for you have many witnesses which speak so clearly that only the blind and deaf could fail to see and hear them. Today let us resolve together to accept the joyful tidings that disaster is not real and that reality is not disaster. Reality is safe and sure and wholly kind to everyone and everything. There is no greater love than to accept this and be glad. For love asks only that you be happy. It will give you everything that makes for happiness. You have never given any problem to the Holy Spirit. He has not solved for you, nor will you ever do so. You have never attempted to solve anything yourself and been successful. It is time that you bring these facts together and make sense of them. (laughs) Anyway, I love that quote. And whenever 
Whenever I wonder, I say reality is safe and still and holy, kind to everything, including me. Amen. And thank you, everybody, um, for reading, joining, sharing um, your signposts. I'll end the recording. Thank you, everyone. Yeah.